listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. Tonight, we'll be closing our series on Ephesians. We will have read to you pretty much most of the book of Ephesians, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. So if you want to start turning there. Now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this, um, this concept here. It's called perseverance. And just because uh, you may be a Christian, just because you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior... Uh, does not mean that your life is going to be easy, okay? A lot of times there's this like cultural undercurrent, like now that I believe in Jesus, he's my Lord and Savior, now that I'm now going to get something, and you do get something, okay? You get a lot from it, but currently on this earth, it doesn't mean that you will be, uh, that you won't, it doesn't mean that you will avoid suffering, it doesn't mean that you'll avoid evil, it doesn't mean that you'll avoid death, that's still going to be present. And so, and if anything, as a Christian, it, gets, it can get even worse um, because it's difficult to live the Christian life. It's difficult to, to live as a Christian. It is. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. So Paul, he's writing this book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. And do you know where Paul is while he's writing this letter? So he's like, hey, guys, the Christian life is not easy. He's in prison for preaching Jesus. So he's writing this letter literally in prison because he believes that Jesus is his Lord and Savior. We, have, we don't understand this as Americans. Like we're completely, this is completely lost on us. Like literally Paul was in prison for what we do at youth group every week. So this, this in many countries actually is illegal. So what you guys get to do on Wednesday nights, which is to come hear God's word preached and taught and listen to worship music and to worship God is illegal in most of the world. But in America, you have, we have freedoms, and we have the freedom to do this. And so we don't understand this idea that we, would, we could go to prison for preaching and believing in Jesus. So the early Christians suffered much at the sake of following Jesus. Sometimes when someone became a Christian in middle school or in high school age range, for early Christians and even Christians across the world, your family would disown you and would say, you're not part of our family anymore because we're Muslim, or because we're Jewish, or because we're Buddhists and Hindus, you know, like this, this would, this would mean that they would be disowned by their family. Sometimes being a Christian meant that you would be arrested and sent to prison. And sometimes being a Christian meant that you were taken. And this is what they would do to the early Christians. They would put them in an arena 
with lions and bears and tigers, and they would, would be attacked and eaten alive for people's entertainment. This is what would happen to Christians. Uh, also, if you were a Christian, you could be killed. Peter was crucified. One of the apostles, disciples of Jesus, was crucified upside down on a cross for preaching Jesus. John the Baptist was beheaded for preaching Jesus. John, the disciple of Jesus, was tortured and exiled. Polycarp, who's a disciple of John, was burnt at the stake alive. Why is all this being done to Christians? Why would people care to kill them? The reason is because there's an enemy. There's a dragon. There's a serpent. You see it in Genesis 3. This serpent speaks lies to us and attacks us. There's a devil who's against God's kingdom and God's church. But no matter what this enemy may do, no matter how much suffering we may face for following Jesus in this life, no matter if we die or live, there's a truth that Paul wants you to know. That even though he's in prison, God is still with him. God is with us. God is with you. And we can persevere. So listen, there's an evil one. God is with you. You can persevere. So let's read Ephesians 6, 10 through 24. And if you bring your own Bible, what's cool is if you have a pen or a highlighter, you can like highlight words that stick out to you, underline them or circle them. That's kind of one of the fun things that I like to do in my Bible. Um, words that resonate with me and stick out to me. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to, done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Make supplication also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth bodily, uh, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus. <laughs> I don't even know if that's how you say it. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with also all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. If there, this is God's word spoken to you, if there is an evil one, if there's someone evil out to get you, out to get us as Christians, if there's suffering, if there's evil done to us and done by us, how can we persevere? We can persevere because no matter what happens to us, God is going to be with us in this life and in this death. So what does this perseverance look like? And Paul kind of, plays it out. And if you look at verses 10 through 12, you see it's clear. Trust God. It says, don't be strong in Mikey Puckett. Don't be strong in Ben Wright, although he is strong. That's a strong man over there. All right? Okay? He will, if you think you can beat him up, he'll wrestle you. Okay? After this. Okay? I'm just letting you know. Ben Wright is strong. Okay? 
It doesn't say don't. It doesn't say in verses ten through um, twelve through thirteen. Uh, it doesn't say don't be. It doesn't say be strong in us or be strong in yourself. What does it say? It says be strong in the Lord, be strong in God, and the strength of His might. It says put on God's armor, not your armor, right? It says you know you got to put this on in order to battle against the evil one, against the enemy. Listen, Paul's encouraging the church. To trust God, not in yourself, but in him. He doesn't want you to put on your armor, but God's armor. So what we face as Christians, if you look at verse 12, we don't face a war, a battle that's between flesh and blood. We actually face one of spiritual battle, of spiritual battle. And this is actually a spiritual battle. It's more it's more physical than our physical realities. It's more real than our physical realities. It's, 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 it's more, it influences us way more than we can ever imagine and think. So in order to face this, we have to trust in Jesus. We must trust in Jesus over ourselves. If you are trusting in yourself as a Christian, one, it might be worth examining and realizing maybe I'm not a Christian because the whole premise of the Christian life it's to say, I am not strong enough. I am weak, and God is. That's the premise. That's the faith. I cannot fight evil. I cannot defeat it because it's inside of me. Someone else has to do the work. I've shared this story, I think, with you guys before, but there's, this, um, there's a story about the Hoyt family. And Rick Hoyt, he was born with cerebral palsy. And yet, even though he has cerebral palsy, do you realize he has run countless triathlons? I think he's run over 10 Ironman uh, marathons. Have you guys heard of these, by the way? It's a marathon. Okay, an Ironman is a marathon. So that's 26.2 miles. Anyone know? 26.2. Then it's a 112-mile bike ride and a two- to three-mile swim. It's three-mile swim? Yeah, a three-mile swim. Or if I slam like 100 feet, I'd drown. But three miles, Okay. And Rick, with cerebral palsy, has done that many, many times over and over again. How has he done that? What if I told you he did it without ever moving a muscle? It's because his dad is very strong. There's a YouTube video of Rick Hoyt and his dad. And it starts off like this. The dad is in the water. And you see him swimming against the current and swimming into the waves and into the water. And you see this harness attached to the back, his back. And the camera follows him from a bird's eye view, follows the rope to a raft, where his beloved son is sitting in that raft with a huge smile on his face. And then the, the next scene is the raft landing on the shores and uh, Rick's dad is picking him up, scooping him up, and then running him over uh, to his wheelchair to run a marathon. And so they run this marathon, this wheelchair, and Rick's face is just glowing. And then the next scene is, is, is them at the finish line, and Rick is on a, in a car seat on the front of his bike while his dad is pedaling. And they cross the finish line. Rick always finishes ahead of his dad. Rick's room is full of trophies and medals, but he hasn't earned a single one of them. But all of them are credited to him and given to him by his dad. 
This is trusting in Jesus, trusting in God. If you trust in Jesus and trust in his strength, you have his armor, you have the tools given to you, not in and of yourself, but only through Jesus. And this gives us the ability, and if you look at verses 14 through 17, this gives us the ability to what? Look at the first word in verse 14. Stand. Stand firm. Trust God and then stand firm. Get in the raft and in the boat and then hold. Hold the line. Stand firm in God. It says this, uh, that Paul starts breaking down what this looks like, standing firm. He talks about God's armor. So it's like he says, and if you look at the verses, look at the verses. What items are being talked about here? One is if you look at the first uh, part of verse 14, this righteousness. We trust in God, and when we do, when we get in the raft and we say, God, it's your strength, it's your works, I need you, I confess, I'm a sinner, carry me. We are given his righteousness, his trophies, his, his, everything he's earned is given to us, and it sits in our room. We become his children. And this righteousness, when the evil one comes and accuses you, of being a sinner and unworthy of God's love, this righteousness in Jesus, you can say, I'm in Jesus. I'm not unworthy of God's love. I'm God's son because of Jesus. So in a world where we don't know what's you know right from wrong, and we live in a world where people decide what's true based on how they're feeling for the day and whatever they feel about something, we live in a world where people decide what's their own truth so then therefore we don't really know what the truth is. Do you know what the Christian has? Look at verse 15, uh, look at verse uh, 14 as well. You know what the Christian has? The belt of truth. It's not their personal truth. It's God's truth. That's what you have if you have faith in Jesus. You know the way, the truth, and the life. Who is it? That's a verse in the Bible. Who says that? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know it if you're a Christian. It's Jesus. You have that. In a world where there's no one right before God, where everyone's guilty in sin, the Christian is given forgiveness, right? And the righteousness of Jesus, that's the breastplate he talks about, the breastplate of righteousness. In a world that is at odds with each other, people are angry and disgruntled and divisive, The Christian has a gospel, a good news that brings peace, that brings people together, not apart. That says, hey, you might be different than me. You might be a different race or ethnicity or political affiliation, but we can come together and worship Jesus, the gospel that brings peace. And then we live in a world where there's evil, um, you know, uh, we, we, we live in a world where there's evil and suffering and death and everything seems hopeless and meaningless. But the Christian has faith in, from Jesus. They have meaning and purpose through him. That's the shield. We live in a world where everyone has to earn their right to be loved. You guys have to earn your right to get playing time. You have to earn your right to get good grades. You have to earn your, we live in a world where performance is everything. To have value and worth. But a Christian has salvation and security and rescue from sin and death and eternal hell. Through Jesus, that's the helmet. 
We live in a world where people slander each other and attack each other and, and take words and use them to hurt each other and post terrible things about each other. But then Christians, what do they have? The word of God, the sword. And we can speak that word to others and bring them to Jesus. Just the same thing that's been brought, brought to you. Listen, this is not your armor and this is not anything you've done. This is all given to us by God. It's God's truth, God's righteousness, his gospel peace, his faith, his helmet, his sword, his armor. It is this that we can stand against the evil one when we find out that our parents have cancer. It's this that we can stand firm in when we find out that our grades are so bad in high school we can't make it to college. It is this that we can stand in when we believe in Jesus and it means that that means that we live a life a certain way and we can't have certain things and do certain things. And people make fun of us for that and say that's weird and strange. This is what we can, and you have to say, you, you are lonely because of that. This is, this is what we stand firm in, is in Jesus. It's in, it's in this that we stand in. When you guys uh, are, are being um, persecuted and made fun of um, for your faith. When the serpent, when the dragon attacks. There's this, um, there's this book, it's called The Hobbit, it's also a movie. And there's this dragon in The Hobbit, it's called Smaug. And, and, this, and this, this dragon, this enemy, listen up, listen up. This this drag this this enemy is attacking the small river town down below um, his like lair essentially, and he's coming down and he's breathing fire upon it, and people are running for their lives. And hey, my guys, separate. You two, separate. One of you, all the way over here. There's Caitlin. Caitlin Carroll's right over here. Turn, get up, walk over there. No turn or turn up and over there. It wasn't Turner. Davis, then you right over here. Turner, go over there. You're right there, right there at the door, yeah. Caitlin's right here. All right, maybe lean against the wall. There's a wall? Yeah. No, Giorgio, on the ground. Okay, separate. Listen, I just want you guys to get this. I want you guys, I want everyone in the room to see this. There's this dragon comes down and it's breathing fire over the entire land. It's destroying everything. Everyone is facing death. Everyone's dying. Kids are dying. Um, they're being separated. It's a really intense scene. And there's this, there's, this, there's this hero in the story and there's his son. And he thinks his son you know, is safe. And so he's going to go face the dragon by himself. And so he finds this tower. He climbs up upon the tower. And, and this is shown in the movie. Um, he's up on this tower and he's shooting arrows at this dragon flying. And they're just... They're just useless. Absolutely useless. Just pinging off his armor, off the armor of the dragon. But he sees one spot where there's a weakness point. And he, it's right at his heart. And he sees the spot where there's like a missing scale where he can take a shot. But he knows that an arrow isn't going to penetrate. So the next thing he realizes is it's his son climbing up the tower with a, with a giant spear. And as his son climbs up to the tower, he realizes it's him and his boy and they are in a dire moment. This dragon turns and sees them and is coming towards them to eat them and to eat them alive. And he speaks to them. 
He says, you're foolish. You fools. Don't you know who I am? And the son is looking at his dad and, and his dad is looking at his son and they're realizing that this is it. But his dad fashions together a rig in order to, to shoot the javelin. But what he needs is for his son to stand there. And as he pulls back the stream for his son, for the javelin to sit on his shoulder, as he pulls back the tension and to aim it, He's doing all the work. He's putting all the things together. He's using all the tools and to aim it. But he needs his son to stand there. So his son stands there and, and they're facing each other face to face as, as this dragon is coming in to swallow them whole. And he says, a little to the left, a little to the right, down a little. And he's just adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. And he says, look at me, son. Look at me. Let's go and slays the dragon. Look at Jesus. Jesus says, look at me. Things are burning down. Suffering is coming. You guys think middle school's hard? Wait till high school. You think high school's hard? Wait till college. You think college's hard? Wait till you're a young adult. You think young adult means hard? Wait till you're a middle-aged adult. You think your middle-aged adult's hard? Wait till you're old adult. You think being an old adult's hard? Wait till you're really old and you're dying. There's a, there, everything is falling apart. Eventually your body will, eventually all things will fall apart. But Jesus says, look at me. Eyes on me. There's an enemy. I'm going to get him. I'm going to finish him. But for now, keep your eyes on me. Stand firm in Jesus. Last thing Paul says in verses 18 through 20. It says, Pray. Right? Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. It's like, dang, I thought I was going to get a hold of sword and slide cut the head off the dragon at least or something like that. No, he says, pray. This is what I want you to do as a Christian. This is how we persevere. You trust me, you stand firm in me, and then you pray your, your mind out. As much as possible, you pray. And you not only pray for yourself, but you pray for your friends. You pray for each other in this room. Some of you guys are facing incredible dragons. Absolutely crazy. Some of you guys are facing divorce. Some of you guys have lost parents. Some of you guys have, are experiencing extreme pains. Pray for each other. Advocate for each other. That's our call. We hate prayer because it's so passive. It feels so bad. We hate prayer. It's like, what does that really do? We're at a spiritual battle. It might not do much in this physical reality, even though it does. But there's so much going on spiritually. So much attacking the church, so much attacking you. Let us pray. And pray often for one another. Pray in your small groups tonight. Pray for each other tonight. Ask God to reveal to you the glory in his suffering. To work through the suffering and the pain that you face. To work through your parents' divorce. To work through the moments when your parent is walking through cancer. Work through the moments when you walk through cancer. Ask God to be at work. Use those opportunities to point to Jesus. There's a story in the Bible in Genesis. It's called, it's about Joseph. And maybe some of you guys have heard it before, but let me tell you guys this story real quick. Joseph was, was, was the youngest born in his family. And his brothers hated him because his father favored him. And so they were jealous. So you know what they decided to do? They decided that they were going to kill him. And so they called him out into the fields. Call him out to the fields. 
And they set up a trap where he falls into a pit, but he doesn't die. And so then they decide, instead of killing him, that they'll sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery, into Egyptian slavery. Imagine that. You wanting to kill your brother and then being like, okay, I won't kill him, but I'll sell him into slavery. So then they sell him to slavery. The brothers come back to their dad and say, you know, Joseph's been eaten by wolves. He's gone. But instead, Joseph is actually in Egypt in slavery. And so he, he actually works his way out of slavery in Egypt. Then he gets in trouble, not by his own doing. He gets falsely accused, and then he goes to prison. And while he's in prison, he gets forgotten. But here's the thing. God gives him a gift where he can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh's having these dreams. And so he, they say there's this guy in prison. He interprets dreams. And so they go to Joseph, and he interprets the dreams for Pharaoh. And then he becomes second in command to Pharaoh. And part of the dreams were that there was a famine that was going to hit the land and people were going to get really sick. And there was going to be no food. And so they needed to prepare and store up grain. And so they did so. They did that. Egypt did that. No one else did. And so when the famine came, listen to this. This is where the story gets crazy. Guess who comes to Egypt needing food? His brothers. And they don't even recognize him. It's been so long. And he's standing before his brothers with food for them. And he has a choice to make. What will he do? He gives food to his brothers. He forgives them. And he reveals himself to them and they realize who he is. And then he says this to them. What you intended for evil, God has turned for good. This is the story of the Bible. This is what Paul's talking about. He's in prison. He's going to eventually die because of following Jesus. He says, what the world has intended for evil, God will use for good. And here we are because in the 21st century, 2,000 years after Paul, reading his words of a dead man who suffered and was in prison. Why? Because God is at work. No matter how hard the evil one works, he will always turn it for good. And some of you guys just need to know that tonight. No matter what you're going through, it might not make sense, but God will turn it for good. Hold, stand firm, trust, pray. And let's do it together. Let me pray for you guys.